This is an Odyssey original. This is the War in Ukraine Daily. I'm Mike Simpson from the KNX Odyssey Studios in Los Angeles. While the first part of Russia's invasion of Ukraine ended in failure, the Russians are seeing results uh, from the second part. Scaled down aim of controlling all of Ukraine's eastern Donbass region, getting closer to reality for the Russians. They're working to secure gains in the Donbass. Forces have taken complete control of one of the provinces. They're focusing on one city where the mayor has urged people to evacuate as soon as possible. If Russia succeeds in controlling the Donbass, what does it do next in Ukraine? Ukraine. Both Vladimir Putin and several leading Russian politicians and generals have led on to the fact they still have ambitions to control the whole country, even though their first attempt to seize Kyiv uh, didn't go anywhere. John Spencer is a retired U.S. Army major and chair of urban warfare studies at the Madison Policy Forum. Also the author of the book, Connected Soldiers, Life, Leadership and Social Connections in Modern War. I spoke to him along with my colleague Rob Archer. John, can you give us an assessment of the current fights in the eastern part of Ukraine, what territory Russia has gained? And they've paid a big price to occupy that space. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, the Donbass is a is a region of eastern Ukraine. It really consists of these two big provinces or oblasts, or if you think for us, like counties. One is Luhansk and one is Donetsk. Uh, the Russians, unfortunately, have taken control of all of Luhansk now because they just recently overtook a city called Severodonetsk and now Lysychansk. But they paid over 5,000 plus soldiers in order to take those two cities. Uh, and the Ukrainians fought smartly, didn't lose this, that, that, that number and pulled back, um, pulled back to save their personnel, pulled back across the Severodonetsk River. Um, now, basically what you have is the Russians in control of the, those two major cities and all of this Northern province. And so now they have their targets on the rest of the Southern province of Donetsk which has a bunch of, you know, three other major cities that are really important to the Ukrainians, like critical crossroads. But they also, the Ukrainians have been there for a long time and are in, a, you know, in defensive positions there. So it's almost, you haven't, you almost see a, a, a stalling of the operation now. The Russians have achieved a small tactical win. The Ukrainians pull back, trying to hold time. I was going to ask how, uh, in your view, how overextended are Russian troops right now? Because, you know, it, it cost them many troops to take over these areas. And it's not like that all those soldiers who survived can now move on to fight somewhere else. You've got to leave personnel behind to maintain control because I understand there's some civil dis disobedience in these regions. They have to control that. So does that leave them too overextended to make any further gains? Um. No, I, unfortunately, I wish that was true. And they are facing resistance. And they actually, the southern portion of Ukraine that doesn't get talked about as much in Harrison, there is um, civil disobedience happening. There's Ukrainians pressing against them. It's a real possibility of Ukrainian advances in that southern city of Harrison. Uh, but in the, this area that Donbass, the Russians have really dumped everything they have, which is a lot of, you know, it's 100,000 plus soldiers, a lot of force still. Now we're we're getting you know lots of communications just like we were in the beginning. And now soldiers refusing to fight, the morale is low, but you do have these pockets of um, even you know, whether you consider them Russian Chechens and other forces um, that that are that have achieved these victories. I wouldn't say they're overstretched yet. Um, and, and let's be honest, the Ukrainians in this in this part of the fight are outnumbered by a lot, like ten to one, and outgunned despite the massive amounts of weapons they've been given, it hasn't been enough. 
for Ukraine then realistically? Is it just hold that line or can they, you know, and the president would love to, but can they actually take this territory back if they were to push back at the Russian forces? Yeah, so time's not on the Russian side. I, I, I will give the Ukrainians that. The Ukrainians aren't running out of soldiers. They have the will to fight. There, there's a, some timeline that will run out for the Russians and the supplies that have been promised to Ukraine. Like we gave them four of these massive systems that immediately, as soon as these four multiple launch rocket systems that, the, that we gave them, which is what they've been asking for for months, as soon as it got to the battlefield, it's having immediate results because it's these long range rockets that they need. Now we have four more on the way, but they need, they need like 50 of those to be able to, to, to make up for the differences that they don't have in the numbers. But no, I don't think the, the Ukrainians have the time. And I don't think that they've already said they're not going to negotiate away the Donbass. So if anybody thinks that the Russians are just gonna take the Donbass and then you know, like they did you know, portions of Crimea and other places and, and, the, and the Ukrainians are like, okay, fine. That's where you're gonna stop. We've learned from evil people that they never stop. So I don't think the Russians would stop at Donbass. I want to go outside the box a little bit and ask about uh, a few years ago, uh, Russia basically uh, pulled this tactic in Georgia. And uh, it, they seem to have pacified that area well enough. Are they applying, do they want to apply the lessons they learned there to the eastern part of Ukraine? And how different is the situation? How different is the will of the Ukrainian people to fight back? Yeah, so that's, you know, I just got back actually from Kiev about two weeks ago. Um, I didn't, you know, so the Russians were successful in this gray zone war where they, they, you know, basically cause political dissent within the population and, and get enough of the population um, to do really an internal struggle. They have not been able to do that in any parts of the Ukraine even in occupied areas that they own at this point, um, the, the Ukrainians will not stop fighting. I, I don't see that. Everybody I met was ready to fight, was moving to the fight, and the Ukrainians are forming new battalions. It's just a, you know, it's a training and it's a weapons issue. It's not a will to fight. I don't see the Ukrainians stopping anytime soon. What was it like when you were in Kiev? I mean, it must be surreal. Nations at war, but yeah. people around kind of going about their days? Yeah, with sirens going off every day, they found... I was in Bucha and they found seven more bodies the next day that I, the day after I was there. Um, it was very real to them. And I actually, they're actually suffering even while they're trying. I mean, they, you can't even get gas in the country because Russia struck kind of the infrastructure. Uh, but everybody, it seemed like I've never, you know, I've been around the world and I've been in my own combat zones. I've never met such a population, an entire country on a war footing. Um, and even though they're, you know, you see kids playing and people trying to get about their business, you felt that the country was at war. That's John Spencer, retired U.S. Army major, chair of Urban Warfare Studies, the Madison Policy Forum. And he has the book, Connected Soldiers, Life, Leadership, and Social Connections in Modern War. This is an Odyssey original. Find us and others on the Odyssey app, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher.